Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see Mizzou. It was a Missouri game against Nebraska at Fro Field. Mizzou came out and hung right with the Huskers. Uh, the Huskers were ranked number one at the time. Nebraska had to score a touchdown on the final play to send the game in overtime. I remember Scott Frost threw the ball into the end zone. The ball flew through the air, and then someone dove for it. Nobody knew quite what happened. Fans started running onto the field. They were jumping on the goalposts because we all thought Mizzou won. But Nebraska had actually scored. They called it the flea kicker. It's one of the most famous plays now in college football history. Even though Mizzou lost that game, it made me a fan of the Tigers forever. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit ColumbiaTribune.com slash sports and click tickets. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Daniel Jones here with Cameron T. Robinson on Tuesday, January 15th. And uh, it has not been a good stretch for Mizzou Athletics since our last podcast. It was a rough weekend for Mizzou basketball, men and women. Football team lost one of their assistant coaches. Uh, Actually, the gymnastics team did pretty well in a loss at Florida. uh, And wrestling continues to roll. They're on a very long dual winning streak. But uh, in the meantime, while all that was going on, we got dumped with 20 inches of snow. Are you finally dug out from everything, Cam? I would have yeah. thought that this would f- make you feel like home in Cleveland. They, this happens pretty frequently up there. Yeah, but in Cleveland, they like prepare for it. No one here prepares for snow, like in terms of like the streets. Like Friday, when the snow started, like you and I and um, like a few a few people got lunch, and when we when I left, like everyone knew snow was coming. It was snowing. Like people knew it was about to be a bad storm. But when I left, the streets were literally like you could barely drive on them, like the main streets. And I was just like, like I almost rear-ended somebody on the way to Mizzou press conference because I couldn't stop. Like, if you know a storm's coming, <laughs> salt the roads. Prepare. It didn't feel like there was much salt out there, but... Uh, I don't think there was any. There so. may not have been any, but there was a lot of snow. And I will say, uh, we should give credit to the, the men and women who, clear, who cleared the streets this week, yeah. put, in, put in tireless hours. Yeah, but I agree. But you got to prepare. Prepare, just prepare better. Dude, downtown, I came down here Sunday, um, just briefly, and they were like trying to clear the snow. And for some reason, here in Columbia, they they plow the snow into the middle of the road, and then they try to cl- they like shut down parts of the road to try to clean it up. Downtown, they they have, like plowed all the snow into like the middle, and like done by on Ninth Street and like Cherry and Ninth Street and like over by Shakespeare's and Big Twelve and all that. They had. Um, they like plowed all the snow into the middle of the road, and it was literally a roundabout on a huge <laughs> snow pile. I was just like, "There's got to be better ways to do this." Yeah, improvisation, but, yeah, improvisation. I thought, I thought it was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, it's that was kind of nuts. I just locked myself in my apartment the whole weekend. Yeah, I did that too on Sunday. Uh, National Weather Service recorded 20 inches yeah, at the crazy. University of Missouri, uh, and we've reported that it's the fourth uh, largest snowfall. In Columbia history, uh, at least it's been recorded. As our good friend Hunter Dyke, photographer at the Tribune, said yesterday, we were talking about the snow, and he was uh, working on getting his car 
out of a parking lot, which was which had not been cleared, uh, but we were riding around together, and he turned to me and he said, "Yeah, can you believe it? It's the fourth fourth biggest dump in Columbia history." And I looked at him and I said, "It's interesting phrasing." Yeah. Inter- <laughs> Interesting phrasing. Yeah, he has a lot of interesting <laughs> phrasings. So anyway, it uh, could be more this weekend. Uh, fortunately, most of Mizzou's uh, athletics are on the road again this weekend. Basketball will be out of town. Men and women. Women will be playing Monday at South Carolina, and the men will be uh, at Texas A&M. But there's uh, more to get to before we get into a discussion about basketball. We did want to mention uh, yesterday news broke that Brian Odom, uh, Missouri outside linebackers coach for the last two seasons, uh, he is going to Oklahoma, uh, made $30,000, $300,000 annually at MU. Uh, but at Oklahoma, so Brian Odom, like his older brother Barry Odom, uh, grew up in Oklahoma in rural Oklahoma, Brian Odom went to Oklahoma for two seasons and then transferred to southeastern Oklahoma where he played out the rest of his career. And then Alex Grinch, who was the defensive coordinator at Washington State, uh, he is now the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Brian Odom coached under him at Washington State before he was hired at Missouri. So those two also have history. So it's kind of a lot of things in Oklahoma's favor for Brian Odom. Of course, he's leaving, you know, the chance to work with his brother, uh, but to go back to where he's from, to coach at the school that he played at, and also, I mean, Oklahoma's top five school. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's a pretty good opportunity for him. Pass up. So now yeah. Missouri's looking for two assistant coaches, uh, tight ends coach, and a linebackers coach going my, forward. My question for you, sorry, is so Brian was a defensive quality control coach at Washington State with Alex Grinch. What is a defensive quality control coach? Uh, you coach the quality control. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, makes, <laughs> that makes a lot better. That's my... I feel, and I feel like that that means like the quality of the defense is all on you. <laughs> how bad the defense plays is your fault because you're supposed like, to, you control how their quality. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got a great gig for you. This this is going to be your first coaching gig, quality control. Yep. And you say, oh, when, huh, that, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then at the end of the year, you rate the quality of the defense and you say, it was a C. That's on you. Yeah, exactly. You were quality control. You were quality control. control. Yep. <laughs> it all comes down on you, man. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a bazillion positions, uh, football positions now. You have senior analysts and quality control in addition to grad assistance and all that so it's way too many there's uh there are probably yeah i don't know i, I was gonna say i mean there there has to be over 100 people that yeah. work in the football department in yeah. some in some aspect uh we mentioned mizzou gymnastics uh their loss to florida they put up a season high score uh florida's a third best gymnastics team in the country and for Missouri and really in the world of gymnastics it's all about the score that you put up on a given night so your win-loss record may um you know may not be as good but as long as you're putting up the points that's what really matters at the end of the year when you're talking about NCAA tournament and uh 
qualifying for that. So it was a team high score uh, for Missouri in their second meet. So uh, they will have a meet coming up this weekend. Uh, and to piggyback off that, Missouri Wrestling will have a home meet Thursday and then against Northern Iowa. And then on Saturday, uh, they'll have the Beauty and the Beast meet at Mizzou Arena. So the gymnastics team and the wrestling team will have stuff going on at the same time. It's always right. kind of cool. And the Mizzou, the gymnastics team went up. To number ten in the in the national poll after the loss of Florida, just because I imagine the rankings are all based on your score. Yep, all yeah. based on numbers. Right. It's not yeah. voting. It's, it's not all voting. numbers. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the, at the beginning of the year, it's kind of fluctuating because <laughs> some school, some teams haven't even started the season yet. Some teams have just one meet, and maybe they weren't. Uh, they're in their best lineups out there. But uh, at any rate, Missouri gymnastics number ten in the country at the moment. So one of the biggest stories of the weekend in Mizzou athletics was uh, we will get to the men's team. Uh, the men's team lost 85-75 to South Carolina. The Mizzou women, uh, just a few hours after the men uh, tipped off and finished their game, went to Florida, a team that was 4-12, and 12, and had a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter. Missouri led by 12 in the fourth quarter and lost – 58-56. Florida scored the last 10 points of the game and ended on a 17-3 run. Uh, they outscored Missouri in the fourth quarter, 22-11. to And that drops the Tigers down to 14-4. They were undefeated in the conference. They are no longer undefeated in the conference. Uh, really, this has been an up-and-down season for the women from the beginning. We've talked a lot about how uh, it kind of been a hard team to figure out. Uh, Robin Pinchton has mentioned in a lot of press conferences that they're looking for that. They're just looking for that edge. They're looking for what they, you know, were able to do consistently in the last couple of years. Uh, it hasn't come easy, and they're playing a lot of young players as well. Players that uh, did not get a lot of run last year or any at all, and it's been up and down. And this, I think, if you were to just look at the quality of opponent, the worst loss for Missouri of the season. Oh, yeah, by far. By a long shot. Florida was in the 220s in RPI uh, before that game. There were four wins, I believe, before the game started. Uh, Texas Tech, Bethune-Cookman, Florida A&M, and uh, uh, Charleston Southern. And then add Missouri to that list. Missouri, before the game, was in the top 30 in RPI. Now they're 36. Uh, I don't know. I know you were... That would drop you. I know you were had your focus on the men's basketball game that day, Cam, but uh, I don't. what do you even make of this? Last week when we came on the podcast, Mizzou had just beaten Tennessee. Yeah. They were, you know, the, the title of our podcast was Big Wins and Ruffle Feathers, The Women Are Back. Yeah. And now here we are again, which is kind of where we were in November and December where they're losing games that are hard to explain. I, I mean, what yeah. the heck is going on? Yeah, that's a tough – I mean – now, it's tough to, I won't say tough, but I think it's a little bit more difficult to win on the road in conference play in the men's league than the women's league, because the women's SEC league is just so top-heavy. In terms of the SEC for the men, it's just it's very jumbled, pretty much. I think a lot of teams are really even. Losing at Florida was pretty just, I mean, that can't happen. I mean, that team's terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was a bad loss. I thought I did not see. I didn't watch really any of the game. Really, I didn't watch any. I just kind of followed tweets as I was writing and covering the men's game. But my thought was, I just I didn't understand um, really where Sophie went. I mean, because that's Sophie's supposed to be. She's supposed to. 
She's supposed to be the person for this team. This is her team, her senior year. She's got to carry Mizzou this year. I mean, that's just who she is. Is what she's got to do if Missouri's going to be successful. I just, I was very surprised to look at the box score and see that Sophie took what five shots, six shots, six shots. Yeah, I was, I was, and had four points. Um, that was very, very surprising. Here's one thing that I think. For as great as Sophie has been throughout her career, uh, there are times, and you can see this a little bit in some of the games Mizzou played last year, especially at the end of the season. Uh, uh, the, the game against Ole Miss in the SEC tournament comes to mind. Uh, another another loss at the end of the last season comes to mind. But I think sometimes when Missouri's playing those opponents that they know they should beat. Sometimes Sophie Cunningham plays just is kind of content to be a facilitator. In this game, she took six shots. She scored four points. She had eight assists. So her and fouled out and fouled out really her, late. But her, it was really late. Less than a minute left. But her role in that game on offense was finding other players. It's almost like it kind of reminds me of when you're a kid and like you have somebody that's really good on the team and you're playing a team that isn't very good and the coach goes up to like the star of the team and he's like hey get out, get let's, out let's let everybody score yeah, this exactly. this week you know yeah we're not playing like yeah. little league basketball anymore yeah. like missouri needs sophie in games like that to score 25 points take over the game and put it out of yeah, doubt, but, and you know? especially late when you're like okay florida's coming back this game's tied now they're only up five or four now. Like you expect Sophie to be like, give me the ball. I'm gonna go put the ball in the basket. And we're gonna go home and win this game. I think, but it's, I think it is difficult when you go a whole game being a facilitator to just flip the switch, no matter who you are. I agree. When you I think take six shots the whole game. It's very difficult to get back into any offensive rhythm late in the game. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I agree. I think uh, she did. I think there was that kind of light bulb moment where, like, all right, somebody needs to go score. Yeah, because there were a couple possessions where she did do that, uh, but missed a layup that would have put Missouri up four uh, late in the game, and then uh, fouled, put a girl on the line, I believe twice. Uh, certainly, her last foul gave Florida an, the chance to tie the game, which they did. And uh, Missouri, I think they've they've finished the last seven minutes. They had one field goal, uh, and Florida had seven free throws. Uh, Missouri had uh, four turnovers in the last seven minutes. So just it all came apart. Mizzou didn't so if I'm fast. At this right, Sophie's other than Sophie's miss layup, Mizzou didn't get a shot off in the final minute of the game. They had an opportunity. They got the ball back with the game tied right. and turned it over. Right. Didn't get a shot out. And then Florida State went up two. I mean, Florida, Florida went up two. And then they got the ball back again, advanced the ball, and then didn't get a shot up on the last possession when there was like 2.2 seconds left. Yeah. So, yeah, really, uh, you could say disappointing. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah that, it was a bad loss. I think the other thing, uh, so you had, I think that dynamic with Sophie, and I, and I, Take it back. I was looking at the box score wrong. Sophie only took five shots. Yeah. She was two of five, uh, five rebounds, uh, eight, eight assists, eight, eight assists yeah. and four points and fouled out with 40, 47 seconds left in the game. Yeah. Amber Smith was pretty much like the focal point from the beginning. Florida was playing a 2-3 zone and Amber Smith was in the middle of the zone. Uh, she was getting looks at the elbow and then also had a couple of layup opportunities, but finished four of 12. 
Uh, so she was kind of like the volume shooter and wasn't very efficient. It was probably her worst game uh, of the season. I mean, probably right up there as one of her worst games of the year. And Missouri really needed uh, a little bit more. It just, not really just, I mean, kind of from everybody, but if you look at the other three, the three players be- behind Sophie and Amber Smith in scoring in conference play this year is Emmanuel Tahan, Jordan Roundtree, and Haley Troop, which you never would have saw coming yeah, through the don't. non-conference slate. But those three uh, combined to shoot 8 of 15 and had 21 points. So if you're looking for, you know, someone else to kind of step up, those players actually had a really good game. Uh, you need your two stars to play. Yeah, exactly. That was, I think, the problem was they Missouri just didn't get what it needed from its two stars. And you kind of take that for granted. Yeah. You take for granted that Sophie's going to score and Amber's going to contribute, and and but I, it doesn't happen every night. They won't beat anybody in SEC play if those two play like that on any given night. I mean, those you need your stars to play well. I mean, now here's the thing with I mean, really just basketball in general, the men's side and women's side. If one of your stars is off, that's the benefit of having another All SEC player. Missouri, I think Missouri has two All SEC players in in Amber and Sophie. Now, when one of them's off, the other one plays well. When both of them are off, Missouri's not going to beat anybody. I think that was very evident at. In the, in the loss of Florida. Right. Yeah. Sunday was a rare case where they both were off. Missouri didn't get a lot out of either of its two stars and uh, ended up losing to what was previously or might still be the worst team in the SEC. So now, before the year, all the talk about the Mizzou women this year, like the goal, kind of the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel or the gold pot at the end of the rainbow was top four seed in the NCAA tournament. The Tigers just missed it last year. They had a, they were the number five seed. They were kind of penciled in as a number four seed throughout most of the year. And they kind of fell off late at the end. They lost in the SEC tournament to Georgia uh, and also kind of missed out on some opportunities for big wins at the end of the year. So they finished as a five seed and had to go to Stanford and lost in the first round at Stanford. So this season, Robin Pinchton has you know, talked a lot about you know, we really want to get to a place where we can host in the NCAA tournament, get a top four seed. And that was one of the reasons why they scheduled so difficult in non-con. Ended up losing a couple of those games, lost to South Dakota, lost to Green Bay, these strong mid-major teams. With the, you know, the idea there was schedule these strong mid-majors so that they can bolster their resume. They lost both those games. And now with this loss to Florida... I yeah, think that's. No, no I think way. that's. Out they, of they would have to win the SEC. Yeah, it would. It would have to be a, an incredible finish to the year. But I mean, you're talking about beating every ranked opponent in the SEC: South but. Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Mississippi State. Um, I mean, that's what it would take. I think so. That's kind of a, out of the picture at the moment. And right now, if you go to ESPN and look at the bracketology, uh, Charlie Cream does bracketology for women's basketball. Missouri women are a nine seed. So they're and at thirty six in RPI, you're kinda right there on the edge of making the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're kind of in the class of bubble team. Yeah. So that's what a loss at Florida would do. Now I think they'll eventually solidify themselves. Like I mean, they may lose at South Carolina. Like their next three games are home versus Georgia at South Carolina at Kentucky. They may they could surely lose two of those games. Um, but I mean, they have enough stuff on the home schedule where they, I think they could probably make up. I mean, they, they, Tennessee comes here still, but I mean, they're, when you, if you're looking for resume builders for them, South Carolina, Kentucky and Mississippi state are all on the road. I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll eventually wiggle themselves into a safe NCAA tournament spot, 
But in terms of like getting resume builders that can boost you really high into your seating, uh, they they would have to pull off some crazy stuff on the road. But I now I I do think if Mizzou's a nine seed, that's a scary nine seed for a lot of other teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, would have to agree with American that. On your team, that's the, whoever would if whoever would to get Missouri as a higher seed or would it technically be lower seed. Well, yeah, better. Yeah, either way, it'd be yeah. better. Yeah. I would be. I mean, they'd be. They'd be like, "Man, what did we do to deserve this?" <laughs> I feel like. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's it's. They've got a lot of work to do still. Yeah, that team is still coming together. Um, thought which, it would which be you've been saying for months now. Exactly. Thought it would be a little bit further along. They had won six games in a row before losing to Florida. Uh, it looked like they were in a spot where things are starting to come together. They had that win over Tennessee. They looked pretty solid in the win over Arkansas midweek before going to Florida over the weekend. That seven minutes at the end of the game killed them in in that loss, and they'll have their next game is coming up uh, this weekend, or excuse Thursday. me, Thursday, uh, not this weekend. Thursday they will play Georgia. Georgia, which a team that gave them fits last year lost both games they played against Georgia last year. Missouri did, uh, but Georgia not having the same kind of season this year. Right, right. So that'll be uh, that'll be a big one, and. And we'll kind of have to wait until then to see how Missouri responds to another round of adversity. Red Panda is going to be in the building Thursday. So I feel like you can't have a bad showing if Red Panda's in the building. You know, I was driving by the football stadium yesterday, and they were advertising Red Panda on the football stadium billboard that faces Stadium Boulevard. That's the only reason people should go to these games. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) come see Red Panda. I'm going to go to the women's game Thursday. Also, women's basketball game. I'm going to go Thursday to the women's game but i'm leaving after halftime <laughs> i just want you were there you were there for the unicycle and the and that is it i don't ever root for somebody to fail but can you imagine what it would be like to see she's too talented i know it's like impossible she's too talented but she does it so often yeah. and she's so consistent it's like it's a it's, it's it doesn't even seem her. real yeah, I agree. that she's able to go up there on a 15 or 20 foot unicycle I was talking to my friend of mine about it and he goes and do that and he was like no she's got magnets I was like she can't have magnets she's throwing them off her foot right for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about Red Panda is a performer who rides on a unicycle and that is like 15 feet off the ground mm-hmm. and she's able to balance up there and she has bowls on her feet and she will kick them on her head and land them on her head yeah. in stacks in like stacks, yeah. in like stacked six feet yeah, or one, six one high foot on the unicycle pedal and another another foot with the bowls on her foot yeah it's pretty incredible it's unbelievable. uh youtube that if you've never seen it before but yeah. she'll be at mizzou arena this week uh she'll be at the uh, men's game as yeah. well yeah you yeah. get double dose of red paint double dose wednesday and thursday yeah. we're going to take a quick break uh for our sponsors and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about the mizzou men's team and where they go after a 10 point loss to south carolina over the weekend i'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of the mizzou sports podcast amu healthcare columbia water and light and phyllis nichols of state farm the University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at columbiapowerpartners.com and contact State Farm agent Phyllis Nichols at 573-443-8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Thanks again to our sponsors, and now we'll return you to the podcast. 
Okay, we are back. Thank you to our sponsors. And now, Kim, you all had your eyes on the game at South Carolina this Sunday. Missouri was supposed to play Saturday. Couldn't get out of Columbia on Friday. Talk about not planning ahead. I mean, how do you not well, I guess, have that figured I guess out? The airport, they like they had been in communication with the air, the airport the whole week, and the airport was like, "You'll be fine. We'll get you out of here. You sh- it shouldn't be a problem." Um, but I guess obviously things are real bad real fast Friday, um, and then that plane slipped off the runway. I did see that, and then the airport was like, "Nah, we're shutting everything down." <laughs> Actually, you can't. Nah. Right. So I think so. They had been in communications with them and like plan like had planned it out. Like, okay, we're still going to be good. We're going to we'll be fine. Um, and then once I think once that plane came off the runway, they were like, "Okay, we're stopping everything." You're not going to be able to get out of here. So again, I still think they probably should have left a day before. But to be in their defense, that's what that's what, I guess that's what that's what was reported that they had that they had been in talks with the airport and that the uh, they had said you'll be good, you'll be good, and then they weren't good. Mm, good information. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, you didn't get stuck in transit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it would have been not fun. Oh God, that'd have been awful. <laughs> with a story of Dave Matter, reporter at the Post Dispatch, getting stuck in Charlotte, he w- made it out there Friday and then got stuck in Charlotte again because the storms rolling through. Um, yeah, always fun, always yeah. an adventure. Uh, but no, instead, Mizzou comes back with a ten point loss, and now they're on a two game losing streak after going into SEC play with a six game winning streak. How bad are things really, Cam? Because if I think people are ready to say the sky's falling, but I don't think it's quite to that point yet. Yeah, I wouldn't quite say that. I always thought of the of these five games, the ten, this is what I've, I've said on the radio the other day. The Tennessee game was the Tennessee game. They were going to lose that game no matter how it went. Um, that was one of your, the games where like, all right, we get to test ourselves against an elite program. Didn't go well. Now, I thought the next three or four, maybe five games, South Carolina, Bama, A&M, Arkansas, LSU, those are games where you're just talking about the middle of the crop in the SEC. This is where you get to see where Mizzou stacks up, again, realistically in the SEC. Mizzou doesn't stack up against Tennessee. There's not. There's probably three, four teams in the country that can stack up with Tennessee. But of these next five games, you were thinking, okay, these are the teams Mizzou can actually st- stack up with realistically. I thought they need they if they won three or four of them, I thought they were fine. Winning at South Carolina was going to be a little bit more difficult now because South Carolina is playing well. Um, but I don't think the world's ending. I I look at this as like I know SEC schedule says zero and two, but in my mind it's realistically they're zero and one because no no they're not beating Tennessee anyway. Um, the problem is they won't beat any of these teams if Jeremiah Tillman doesn't get his foul trouble on their because their offense is literally chuck the ball up and hope it goes in without Jeremiah Tillman on the floor. It's just, I mean, they they they, they can't get to the basket. They don't shoot great inside the three-point arc. They're great outside the three-point arc, but without Jeremiah, I mean, just there's no floor spacing. It's everything's kind of tough. That's pretty much the topic right now yeah. uh, for Mizzou basketball. It's been what's written about pretty much everybody that covers Mizzou basketball. Yeah. It's what is being talked about because Jeremiah Tillman, as you pointed out before the podcast, was an SEC player of the week after Illinois game. Yeah. And yeah just like 19 just, and a half and 11 rebounds. Just a review in that Illinois game on December 22nd, Jeremiah Tillman, seven for 11 from the field, 12 rebounds, 16 points, uh, three fouls, two blocks, three turnovers. And played 28 minutes. Since then, Mizzou has played in three games. Jeremiah Tillman has played a total of 34 minutes. He has 11 points, 
five field goals, three rebounds, and then get this, nine turnovers and 15 fouls. He has fouled out in all three games, and he has more fouls than points and more turnovers than made baskets. And rebounds. And rebounds. He has more turnovers than rebounds and made baskets combined. Yeah. What is going on? we, We asked this... All the time. A lot. Yeah. This is a problem that has come up over and over again this season and last season. And it almost seems silly to ask what's going on because yeah. if anybody knew, including Jeremiah Tillman or Conzo Martin, the problem, the problem would yeah. be solved. But it's not. Yeah, he had gotten slightly better throughout right. the season. And it goes, it's not like it's all, you know, it's not like Jeremiah Tillman can never reach his potential yeah. because there are times like in the Illinois game where he does reach his potential. So you, you see, well, even the Xavier game, I think he's worth 20 something in the Xavier game. Right. Yeah. You see uh, all the things he can do. Uh, and then sometimes it, it goes away. Yeah. So maybe the better question is not the, the question is not what's going on because at that point it almost seems uh, like that isn't the question to be asked because Everybody's working on the answer. I mean, nobody knows the answer to that question. Conzo Martin doesn't know. Jeremiah Tillman doesn't know. That's what they have to figure out. But if that doesn't work, what do you do? What What are the other options? Yeah, I know. People have flaunted, uh, like thrown the idea out of like not starting Jeremiah Tillman. But again, your best options, your two options after that are if you don't start Jeremiah, you're starting Reed Nico, who's not... I mean, if Reed Nico really. I mean, he's not getting it done if you're starting him. You're gonna, you're just gonna bring Jeremiah Tillman off the bench two minutes later than if you would start him. Um, or you could go small, play KJ Santos and Kevin Perry in the post. Um, that's. I think that might not be a bad idea because I think you could get after people a little bit more defensively. But the problem there goes into when you play somebody with an actual big post or some depth inside. Um, then you're you're gonna be screwed because you're just gonna go in the paint. Um, but I think the thing is like, and here's I think this is the you've seen Conzo start to do it lately. Is that when Jeremiah gets in foul trouble, Conzo just gonna he just needs to play him. He's gonna get two fouls. It's no point in sitting him on the bench for the first half anymore. He's gonna get his fouls. You, you need him to be productive when he gets fouls anyway. Like it's I here's my thing is like if you want to play the whole foul, he's two fouls sit on the rest of the half. That's fine, but if you get down like 8, 9, 10 in the first half, you might as well play him because there's no point in saving him because when you're down 13, you know what I mean? And then he has three fouls, and he's just going to get pick up two more fouls really quickly anyway. What you need him to do is if he's going to only play 13 minutes a game um, because of foul trouble, you just need him to be somewhat productive in those 13 minutes. I think that's the way Missouri is going to be successful if he's going to stay in foul trouble. Yeah, him. so I kind of get follow what you're saying, which is that – yeah, if he gets two fouls in the first half and sits and he plays five minutes in the first half yeah. and has two points and a couple rebounds, you're not getting the most out of him. Right, exactly. And then you're trying to put him in in the second half. So if you put him in in the second half and he gets a third foul, you take him out yeah. and set him on the bench for a while. And then you put him back and he gets a fourth foul, and then you say, whatever, we'll just leave him yeah. in. And then he's not. He's there's never a rhythm. There's right, never yeah. anything going on. Yeah. So if you just leave him in in the first half, and maybe he picks up four fouls in the first half, but if you just leave him in for – 12 minutes or 13 or where you know whatever feels comfortable and just let him go and maybe work it out right right uh and then you put him back in in the second half maybe midway through or you know i don't know i don't i don't know what that answer is but i think i think if you were to do that i think you if he gets three in the first half i think you would have to pull him then but i think the thing is and here's the thing with mizzou is that 
and it's been said over and over and over again, and I wrote it in my story that it's a broken record by now, but Mizzou's 16,000 times better when Jeremiah Tillman is on the floor. Now, when he's off the floor, like I get like you want to save him. He's hurt. I mean, not he's hurt. He's in foul trouble. I get you want to play him later. But if you start getting behind, it doesn't help anyone to put him back in later when you're already down 10, 11, 12 points. Jeremiah Tillman's not the guy who's going to, not the type of player who's going to come in and just change that automatically. He's just somebody who changes the whole flow of the game. Um, so, I, and obviously that just depends on how the game is going, but I don't know. It's something, there's just a lot there where they, they got to figure something out. And to be fair, Mizzou really could have won this game without him. Javon Pickett played great. He had 21 points. Mark Smith and Jordan guys played r- really well. I think if Jeremiah is even on the floor for 15 minutes, they probably win this game because they had it down to three, three different times. Um, but again, I don't know. He's got to figure it out because they won't win many games without him on the floor. This has to be the most frustrating thing yeah. ever for Conzo Martin, yeah. who knows our team is so much better when Jeremiah Tillman's on the floor. Yeah. But some, some nights you put him out there and he kind of just almost combusts. Yeah. It's like, it kind of makes me think. Are there ever times where you're working on something and you, it's like it's like a puzzle and you have two pieces that are supposed to fit together that don't and it you're you just become obsessed with it. It's yeah. like this has to go yeah. and this has to work. Yeah. It, there's no there's it, no other way to do but it. But I can't get it like yeah. that is that is the most frustrating thing and I think that's exactly what's happening with Mizzou. Well, it's like we need this to work and it doesn't fit. And it got even worse when Jonte got hurt because yeah, I mean that that made it that. Now there are two puzzle pieces. There were three, yeah. or you know, How whatever. Yeah, there, yeah. there were there were two. Now there's one. Yeah. So there's no backup. There's yeah. no. They don't have any. Depth there's no inside. other option. Yeah. That that when Jonte went down, the media storyline is man, Jeremiah can't get in foul trouble because they have no depth inside, and now he's in foul trouble, and they've lost two out of those three games. The the only game they won from those three is Morehead State, and they won by fourteen. And Morehead State's terrible. Um, so. I don't know. I think that is what you look at when you look at Missouri season outlook is just can Jeremiah get this turned around? Because if he can, I think they might be okay. One other thing that you pointed out, and this might have a lot to do with that, uh, with Jeremiah Tillman kind of struggling and not being on the floor. The last two games, Missouri's given up 87 and 85 points. 87 to Tennessee, which scores a lot. has has a lot of good players. And 85 uh, to South Carolina, which all of a sudden is found itself is that just because jeremiah tillman isn't on the floor um i'm not sure of the it's it's tough to really tell if that's just because jeremiah i know so south carolina shot 35 free throws against mizzou and made 29 so 29 of those 85 came from the free throw line that's probably something where and not all those fouls were on jeremiah missouri had 26 personal fouls in that game so um i think that's one of those things where it's just like if you don't if you follow them half as much you're probably in a good spot. Um, but, yeah, defensively, I don't think they've been gr- – like, they haven't been a great Conzo Martin defense all year. Um, the pace they play at is just really slow, so I think that lends them to not giving up a lot of points. But they haven't been terrific this season, um, especially in SEC play so far. I thought the Tennessee game was like, oh, that's just Tennessee. That's fine. 87 against Tennessee is fine, but 85 against South Carolina is not good. Because South Carolina isn't. I mean, they're playing well right now, but I don't know. I don't know that they're built to score eighty-five points a game on anybody. SEC's uh, 
been interesting. And we knew it was going to be competitive this year. There don't I mean it doesn't look like there's any bad teams in the SEC. Yeah. The teams that everybody picked to be the worst, Ole Miss being one of them. It's probably the second best team in the SEC right. Ole Miss now. right now is ranked what? Number 18. Yeah. Uh entered the AP poll at number 18 and uh Brian Tyree is probably going to finish the year as an all SEC player. Yeah. That guy's incredible. Yeah. Uh Mississippi State is good. Uh Auburn of course is really good. I, it really doesn't look like there's ba- any bad teams in the SEC this year. Yeah, maybe maybe Texas A&M, but they just beat Alabama. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I really don't think there's any truly bad. Like I said, I agree with you. I don't really think there's any truly bad teams in the SEC. It's going to be a battle every game. Uh, if you're looking at winnable games, Alabama feels like a team that has underperformed based on expectations this year. Uh, this is a winnable game Thursday, and so Wednesday. is – Sorry, yeah. Wednesday. I'm getting the men's wins. Yeah. Winnable game Wednesday against Alabama, and another winnable game this weekend against Texas A&M. Yeah. Two, and Texas A&M's not very good. But now I think now if you want to start panicking about a team or just calling the season, if they lose both these games, just call it. I mean, if, if, <laughs> I mean if, as a fan, if you want to give up. These are the two games where if they if lose you're games, looking for the easy out, or right. the, it's like the roller coaster, or it's like the early exit before yeah. you get on the ride. These are the two games. If they lose those two, you're like, okay. They, if they're zero and four in SEC play, I think that's your that's your excuse to to hit the panic button. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they should beat Alabama tomorrow. But and I I think the Texas A and M game is very winnable as well. Like I said, of those five games, I think if they win three or four, I think they're still in a pretty good spot. Right. A lot of. Uh, a lot of young guys getting run to for the men, similar to the women, uh, trying to build them for the future again. And we talked about this too. Uh, surprised to see Torrance Watson. I mean, not. I guess uh, at this point, you can't be surprised that uh, he's not producing because he really hasn't produced on a consistent level all season. But surprised that this freshman year has been a struggle the way it has been. Torrance yeah. Watson was supposed to be the guy to come in and provide, and he's – I think there might it, – it's kind of an issue of confidence right now, uh, the fact that he's kind of been cold uh, for a long time. Yeah. Um, and he didn't play terrible against South Carolina. He had seven points and six rebounds, which I think is a pretty good game for him off the bench. But, yeah, no, he, I mean, and he's a shooter, so shooters kind of live off confidence. I think once he kind of gets going, I think he'll be fine. But I think – Another part of that is just Javon Pickett and Mark Smith are playing so well. It's almost like everybody expected Torrance Watson to be the guy to take a, go into the starting lineup. But, I mean, they're playing so much better than him. He, you're, you just really hope he could be a spark off the bench for, the, for, the, for them right now. Right. Uh, anything else on the men's basketball team before we wrap up? Oh, not that I could think of. All right. Hope maybe this weekend will be better than, uh, than last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the snow. Maybe, Maybe it is the snow. They just, <laughs> just they just know the snow's here, so it throws off their whole mentality or my attitude going into games. It's like, what was your attitude when the snow started coming down? I actually wasn't upset about it. My my thing, and we talk, talked about it Saturday morning. It was just I just didn't want my power to go out. Please. I was completely content. I had coffee. I had hot chocolate. I had food. I had internet access. I was and blankets. I was good. So it's content to sit in my apartment for two, three days and be fine. But if my power went out, then <laughs> I, I told, I was like, I will dig my car out and tr- go wherever I need to go. I am not sitting in here with no heat and no internet access. All I'm day. out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the same thing. Uh, Chiefs play this weekend. 
monumental game. That that I've been a Chiefs fan for my whole life. Uh, I will say I have never seen the Chiefs make it this far in the playoffs. I was not born the last time they made the AFC Championship game, so I don't even know what to feel. It's kind of been a, a Tom Brady week. man. Yeah, I know that guy. Tom Brady's already given me nightmares. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like after this weekend. I hope we can vanquish him. How cool would it be to be the team that ended Tom Brady? I feel like if he loses, though, he's just going to come back next year. He's never going to die. Yeah, he's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go win a Super Bowl next year. Now. He's going to play in the NFL for another 15 years. Yeah, and- the, the annoying thing for them is that the whole, like, oh, everybody thinks we suck. No, no, they don't. <laughs> I hate that. No one said that. I hate that when he said, yeah, we can't win any games. No one said that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You're the Patriots. Yeah, the, you're the new. Everybody expects you to be in the Super You are like the standard bear in American sports for the team that is always good. Yeah. More like more than the Yankees. Yeah. More than the, the more than the Warriors. Yeah, more than the Celtics. More than the Lakers. The New England Patriots are the team that no that, matter what they do in a regular season, you're like they're gonna make the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No one cares. How da- that that how, annoyed me so much. How dare you, Tom yeah, Brady? That annoyed you me can't so much. take that. You yeah. cannot take that no, line. Exactly. And we. It will not be allowed. I, agree. I don't know who's gonna stop you from doing it, but it. It will yeah, not be. It's allowed. so stupid. But if I if I was if I was the reporter, he told that to, told that to, I would have just chuckled. I'd have been like, <laughs> "No one thinks that." <laughs> Come on, bro. Uh, one other Mizzou sports thing before we sign off, uh, because we will not probably do a podcast before it happens. Is uh, Mizzou women will oh, yeah. play at South Carolina, at South Carolina yeah. on Monday? That will be. Uh, exciting as always. Uh, going back to whatever happened last year and the games in Missouri and South Carolina. I was going to say Columbia and Columbia, but Missouri and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine there's still a little bit of bad blood there. No, why would there be bad blood? Great question. I guess I guess uh, Robin Pitchin and Don Staley have worked out some of their differences, but I don't believe that uh, the general public, the general uh, Fans, the 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 fans of South Carolina women's basketball were in on that conversation. I don't think yeah, they've no. settled their differences. No, no, no. I was being sarcastic when I said that. I oh, know. I know you were. I know you were. But uh, yeah, that that game will be very very intriguing on Monday. Yeah. So make sure you tune in for that. All right, Kim, you want to sign us off? Yeah. Um, thanks for listening uh, once again. This is kind of a long podcast, so if you're listening right now, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, follow us on. Twitter, social media. Um, I'm at CJ underscore T. Danny's at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. Read our work in the Tribune. Um, you can read it online at ColumbiaTribune.com or subscribe to the paper. We appreciate that as well. Um, and the, and subscribe and share our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say, so Danny, cue the outro music. to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.